South Carolina's SEC Media Day appearance has officially wrapped up at the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta, Georgia, and the tone for the day seemed to be cautious optimism. What did Shane Beamer and the players say? I'll be discussing all that today on the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. Our Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, your show for daily headlines and potential storylines on your favorite South Carolina Gamecock sports teams. I'm your host, as always, Andrew Lyon, and, well, I got a lot to discuss based off of the comments and remarks that were made by Shane Beamer and the three players that he brought with him to SEC Media Days and to carry on Joyner, Zach Pickens, and Javon Gwynn. I've got a lot to get into with what these guys said, so don't want to waste too much time for the intro today. Going to go ahead and get started, but before I do get started, as always, thank you all for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts daily. Okay, so the way I'm going to do today's episode, I'm pretty much going to talk about just the remarks that Shane Beamer made during his main media day session in the big room at the College Football Hall of Fame. And then for the players, I'll discuss their remarks that they made in sort of the smaller media room where they had a lot of media members who were able to sit down at tables and pretty much ask them questions for eight to ten minutes. That's how I'm going to be formatting today's show. So I'll start off with Shane Beamer's opening remarks when he was at the podium. Shane Beamer said that there's nothing like being in the SEC, the premier conference of college football. There are a lot of players and coaches that want to be in this league. He also said he's glad Greg Sankey is leading the conference during these unprecedented times in college football. He also stated Javon Gwynn and on Joyner have graduated and Zach Pickens is slated to graduate in December, saying that the guys are great representatives of the university. He loves being the team's coach and subsequently coaching the team. They made great strides last season in the win column. Now the challenge for the guys will be understanding what it takes to win even more games this upcoming season. He also took somewhat of a shot maybe at the media overall. Although I wouldn't say it was a full-blown shot over the bow, but he said that last year at Media Days, no one was talking about our team and the players except for maybe our beat writers from Columbia. Most noise we made was probably from the reenactment of the Steve Spurrier Arby's picture heading back to Columbia. That's different this year. People are talking about us nationally and more about our players nationally. The challenge for us will be being mature enough to handle that and understand the work it'll take and remembering how the closeness of the team helped us along the way. I've said this on Twitter during SEC Media Days yesterday, but it's pretty clear that while Shane Beamer is a very nice coach, very personable and very genuine, Shane Beamer also does not like it when teams put down his football program. He takes up for the players, and I think that because of that, Shane Beamer has even more respect for them because he takes up for them along with trying to develop really big relationships with them off the football field. He also said that he's excited about some of the additions for the coaching staff, including Jody Wright and Freddie Kitchens from the NFL on the offensive side of the ball. Along with the returning coaches, he's fired up about those coaches on offense, saying that there's no egos in the room and everybody is working together to be the best offense we can be. 
Defensively, we've made a lot of strides under defensive coordinator Clayton White and added a new defensive end slash outside linebacker coach in Sterling Lucas. We also lost a lot of good players and leaders from the defense last season, including J.J. Enigbari, who was a team captain, Jalen Foster, who was also a team captain, and a second-team All-American from the Walter Camp Association. Pete Lembo and the special teams unit made great strides last season as well, but they have to replace Parker White, the all-time leading scorer, which will not be easy. But we do return all the other key specialists, including punter Kai Kroger, who was a preseason fourth-team All-SEC selection by Athlon Sports. Now, off the field, we have the third-highest graduation success rate in all of the SEC and have 22 players who are playing as graduates, plus nine more in December or January who will graduate when we play our bowl game. 25 guys made the Dean's List this past year. Recruiting is going well. There's a lot of excitement when they visit. And the words that always come up are real and genuine. Academics and fan atmosphere are great, along with the Long Football Operations Center. The staff is also great. Coaches like Don Staley have shown that you can win championships here. And the miniseries, Welcome Home South Carolina Football, which I discussed on Monday's show, will be a great experience for the players and opportunity to show off the program. They came to us with the idea. He's talked to so many sold-out Gamecock Club events where the fans have all said how excited they are. And he also mentioned that season ticket renewal rate is the highest that it has been in 10 years, which just goes to show how fired up South Carolina's fan base is. And he's capped off everything with his opening statements by saying, at the end of the day, it's all about the people in our program. So there's definitely a lot to take away from Shane Beamer's opening remarks. And... Again, the tone that I got overall from Shane Beamer was he is cautiously optimistic. He's being very measured in the sense that he understands that going from winning six games in the regular season against teams like Vanderbilt and Troy and East Carolina and Eastern Illinois is a little bit of a different task compared to, okay, you've now had some success that you can point to from year one. So now in year two, how are you going to perform against teams like Tennessee, like a Texas A&M? like a Georgia, like a Clemson, like an Arkansas, teams that are considered to be in the upper echelon of either their divisions or maybe even their entire conference as a whole. How are you going to do against higher-level competition? And it's clear to me that Shane is very optimistic, but at the same time, he wants to try to keep things in perspective for this football team. And of course, I really think that that is probably the best way for him to go about carrying that message to the locker room and to the team when the coaches and players are together. And another thing that really caught my eye is the fact that Shane Beamer, with a lot of the statements that he made about the program, every statement that he makes is somewhat calculated and The overall purpose of his statements are to build up the program, not tear it down. He's he's not going to be a coach maybe like Nick Saban or, you know, maybe some of the other coaches in this conference who are going to say a couple things about how maybe they they are kind of a little bit worried or maybe not worried is the right word. But, you know, maybe they have question marks at certain positions. Maybe they got a lot of young guys at a certain spot. The depth's not the greatest. And they're going to be interested to see how all that plays out. Shane Bieber doesn't bring up a bit of that. He does nothing but uplift the entire roster when talking about them. And again, instilling confidence in his players by talking that way wherever you are, even when he's away from like 99% of the team, that just goes to show you how much Shane Beamer loves his players. 
Now, in just a couple moments, I'll go over some of the responses he had to some questions that he got after his opening remarks at the podium at SEC Media Day. But of course, y'all know that I need to remind y'all about Built Bar, our friends over at Built Bar, the people who invent it healthy and tasty. And from those people comes the latest gift to your taste buds. You've probably already tried the amazing Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar. But guess what? Your friends at Built have given the Coconut Brownie Chunk Bar the Puffs treatment. That's right. The Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar flavor you love in a deliciously chewy marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. It's like a fluffy cloud of coconut brownie goodness. But stop drooling and listen to me for a second. These are good for you. They're low in calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, and all delicious. Coconut brownie chunk puffs are only here for a limited time. Go to Built.com now to make sure you don't miss out. They're going fast because they taste amazing. All Built Bars are made also with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. The best part about Built Puffs, besides the 100% real chocolate, is that you can enjoy them guilt-free because they are actually good for you. They're the perfect treat, perfect when you've got a craving. Maybe you need to satisfy your sweet tooth, or if you need a quick, healthy snack, After a workout, they are an excellent source of protein, delicious coconut, rich sweet brownie, and creamy marshmallow. So stop fantasizing and get to Built.com right now to order your box of Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Puffs. And if you're looking to save money with the times that we're in right now, we've got you covered there as well. When you go to Built.com, be sure to use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off of your order. That's LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Go right now while the offer lasts. And after you've eaten that built bar, you may be sitting there and asking yourself, which NFL stars move the betting line the most right now? Well, starting as of two days ago, Locked On gives you the 50 most valuable players in the NFL from the odds makers at Bet Online. Available since July 18th on Locked On NFL, wherever you get your podcasts, and also on YouTube. Welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, and once again, thank you for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first listen every day. To start off segment two, I'm going to talk about some of the responses that Shane Beamer had to some of his questions after his opening remarks at SEC Media Days. So, first big question that stuck out to me, Spencer Rattler is the highest rated quarterback the program has ever signed. How much pressure is on him for the offense to flourish? And Shane Beamer responded by saying, I don't know if there's pressure. But people forget he was the starting quarterback at Oklahoma following in the footsteps of Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, and Jalen Hurts. And then what happens the first two conference games? We, not Spencer himself, we lose to Kansas State at home and Iowa State on the road, and he didn't flinch. I know the narrative was he got benched in the Texas game last year, but he had to sit the year before too. And he came back in the second half and played his tail off, and we wound up beating Texas in four overtimes. And he never lost another game. He started ever again. So I don't worry about Spencer because he's been through the fire before and I've seen how he's handled it. We've got to be great around him as well. And no one's asking him to be Superman. We're asking him to be him. Now, obviously, based off this statement, clearly Shane Beamer is going to stick up for Oklahoma transfer quarterback Spencer Rattler with everything that he has been through in the last year and a half or so. But I think it's a valid point by Shane Hubert to bring up the fact that Spencer Rattler has been through some trying times at quarterback before where maybe he wasn't playing his best on a particular day 
and he got benched for it. And with some quarterbacks, they get benched. Their confidence is completely broken after that. They are never able to fully recover from it. But with Spencer, that didn't happen to him his freshman, his redshirt freshman season. He managed to bounce back from that, and Oklahoma went on to win the Big 12 championship game, his first full year as their starting quarterback, which speaks a lot to Spencer Rattler's ability to handle adversity. Now, another question he was asked was, how does he go about balancing the transfer portal and high school recruiting together? And Shane responded by saying, we'll always start with high school recruiting because we are surrounded by a lot of great high school football in this region with South Carolina, North Carolina, Georgia, and Florida, of course. But certainly you want to be competitive year in and year out. And when you go into December, you realize you fall short of maybe a recruiting board necessity. Then you can go look at the portal. Say if you only got one running back instead of the two running backs out of the high school ranks that you wanted, then you go get a running back then. I think every year is different. If we could sign 20 high school guys every year we would do that but that's not always going to be feasible to win SEC football games and that last part of the answer really stuck out to me because in the SEC you're not going to have a long leash anymore because of how much of an arms race there is now in the SEC as a whole how much NIL and the transfer portal have changed how quickly you could potentially flip a roster overnight those two to three years to build up a program unless maybe you're a program like Vanderbilt, that's no longer looked at as an excuse. And so what Shane was basically saying here is, I got to find out, I got to find ways for this team to remain competitive every single year so that we don't fall off and fall behind other programs who are trying to stay near the top of the conference. Another question that Shane was asked, was you're clearly a youthful coaching personality. Just wanted to know how you use that to build your team culture. Also, what was the inspiration behind the Soldier Boy video? So, if y'all didn't see this already, uh, Gamecock Football's Twitter account put out a video early yesterday morning basically with Shane Beamer and the players he brought to SEC Media Days mimicking a TikTok trend with a Soldier Boy song in the video. And to put it bluntly, Shane nailed it to an absolute T. If you have social media, or you can maybe access the tweet in some capacity, I would highly recommend you go watch that. Um, I can't play it on here, unfortunately. But, um, you know, it was just so symbolic, again, of how much Shane Beamer just gets it, how much he understands the current generation of college football players, what they look for. So to get back to his response to this question, Shane said that he appreciates him saying that he's youthful. But he admitted he doesn't always feel youthful. I think we got a lot of things going on in our program, and we have a lot of great people in our program. We're very demanding, but there's also got to be some joy in the process because this game's hard enough already. I want players when they wake up who want to come into our football facility each day. I don't know if that was always the case before I got there, but they do now. Anytime we get the chance to showcase the program we want to, that video idea came up very quickly. Justin King, who heads up creative design, is the best in the world at what he does. I learned a very long time ago, when he approaches me with an idea, I don't need to ask what it is. I just ask, what time do you want me there, and what is it you want me to do? He actually picked up Shane Beamer in the car to present the idea. So he walked in, changed clothes, and knocked it out in three takes. He was a little taken aback because one of the players asked if he wanted to hear the song so I would know the words. And while Shane said he is older, he's not that old, and he knew who Soldier Boy was, so he already knew some of the words to the song, and it was an easy ask. Again, just really goes to show how much of a player's coach Shane Beamer is and how much he understands the current generation of players. So there's one last thing that I do want to bring up 
from Shane Beamer's remarks at SEC Media Days before I move on to the players. And that was a response to a question that he had from Paul from Paul from Paul Feinbaum from SEC Media Days on Feinbaum's radio show. So so Shane was asked by Paul, now success always starts with certain things, and obviously y'all play Georgia and y'all play Clemson every year, which are critical. Are those essential ingredients to try and get over this proverbial hump? And Shane Beamer responded by saying, yeah, I think consistently beating those guys. And look, we're in the SEC East with our in-state rival being Clemson. And the SEC West crossover opponent right now is Texas A&M. So every single year, we're going to be playing at least three of the top six rated teams in the country probably. So I look at it as we get to do that. I look back to 2010, the last year Shane Beard was an assistant coach here at South Carolina, and we beat Clemson, number one Alabama at home. We beat Georgia. We beat Florida and Tennessee all in the same season. So I'm not selling or talking about something that's never been done before. We've done it here. And after that season, Coach Steve Spurrier and the team went on to win 11 games three years in a row. So the challenge for us is to continue to build this thing one day at a time and get better each and every year and then ultimately be competitive and win those games. So again, what Shane Beamer is trying to pretty much do is he's trying to squash this hidden media narrative that is out there with South Carolina football, that South Carolina football has never had any spurs of being good in their history. Now, you heard that a lot before Lou Holtz came here, and you still heard it when Steve Spurrier came here. But the thing is, the important part of Steve Spurrier's entire tenure at South Carolina, he changed a lot. But the biggest thing he did was he showed that you could be successful at South Carolina. Now, did he ever win an SEC title? No. But guess what? He took South Carolina to Atlanta. That had never been done before he got here. He helped South Carolina win so many games. He helped South Carolina get to a point where they were actually expecting to pretty much beat almost anybody that they were playing up against. South Carolina's never had a time in their football program's history where they felt that way. Spurrier changed all that. And Shane, for at least a part of that time, he was along for that ride. And he saw what this program could be. And he's trying to make sure that the entire media industry across the country that covers college football and the SEC circles understand this just as well as we do. Okay, now, I've talked a lot at this point about Shane Beamer and a lot of the remarks he's made at SEC Media Days, but now I'm going to talk about each individual player that he brought with him and what they said, starting off with the carry-on joiner. So, the first question that the carry-on was asked when he was in the small media room at SEC Media Days was, obviously, the quarterback performance is what a lot of people focused on in the offseason. Do you think that has overshadowed what you can do at wide receiver, and how will things go this coming season. And to carry on said, I think the goal for us is for me to play both positions evenly because I've shown I can play both at a high level. But my goal is to just go out there and be available for every role I'm asked to do. This definitely is something that would not surprise me again. I mentioned in my sort of SEC preview segment on Tuesday's show with South Carolina's media day appearance that I felt like it would be interesting to see if to carry on let on to the media just what the plans were from Marcus Satterfield and this offensive staff regarding to carry on Joyner heading into this next season after what happened to the Dukes Mayo Bowl. And again, it would not be surprising based off of these remarks for him to probably have a couple packages. But of course, this answer from to carry on himself probably more than confirms that. So another question that Joyner was asked, you've played a lot of roles in your time at South Carolina. 
What do you think your role will be this year? Kind of a similar question, and I don't know why, honestly, the guy decided to still ask it. But to carry on, nonetheless, did answer, and he said, I don't think that's very predictable because every year it seems to always be something, meaning that something happens with either injuries or maybe just quarterback performance or, you know, what, whatever it may be. But there's really no telling what's to come. But I'm very acceptable to it right now and preparing myself to be healthy and do what I need to do to help my team win. And the reason I still want to highlight the answer here, this goes to show how unselfish to carry on Joyner is. Shane Beamer always talks about this already whenever he's asked about to carry on Joyner. And so does wide receivers coach Justin Stepp. But this really just hammers it home. To carry on does not care really what it is he's being asked to do. He'll go out there and do it for his teammates. And then the last question he was asked was, you had the big bowl game and the MVP. Do you think that finally proved and solidified yourself and gave you a lot of confidence going into the season? The carry on responded saying, yeah, personally it did. I think personally I needed it. It was really good for my confidence and I'm very grateful for that experience and I thank God for allowing me to have that moment. And obviously, when you go back and look at all the storylines coming out of the Duke's Mail Bowl, it became honestly a national story what happened with the carry-on joiner and his Duke's Mail Bowl MVP performance because of everything he had been through. Even though he helped this team win the Georgia game on the road in Athens back in 2019, even though there were times where we felt like maybe he didn't get a fair shake at quarterback with the old coaching staff, the carry-on still went out there and went about his business. Now he finally got a chance to really show what he could do at a position that he was, I think, probably more so hoping to play coming out of high school, and he did just that. So... Obviously, I got to imagine that the carry-on felt like he was on top of the world, and it's good to see that that has carried over into this offseason heading into fall camp because the carry-on could still play a very vital role on this offense. So moving on to Zach Pickens now. A couple of the questions he was asked. He was first asked, what does it mean to you that Coach Beamer selected you as one of the three players to be a part of SEC Media Days? Zach Pickens said, it's an honor. I'm glad he chose us three to represent South Carolina. We do everything right, do everything we're supposed to do with the coaches, workouts, downtime. We do everything they tell us to do. Again, just going to show how Shane Beamer has built a culture here at South Carolina. He was also asked, why is it so important for you to come back this year after having some NFL opportunities maybe get brought up this past offseason? Which, again, Pickett definitely could have left for the NFL and probably could have been maybe a mid-round selection. But Pickett's responded to this question nonetheless by saying, it was important to me because I still have unfinished business. Me and my mother want me to graduate while I have the resources I have to graduate. So it seems like that there's both off the field and on the field motivation for Zach Pickens to come back for one final season, one final hurrah with the guys that he's been with since day one here and go out there and finish what he started and have a heck of a football season and senior year at the University of South Carolina along with all of that. And then the last question he was asked that I took note of, which I thought had an interesting response. What was the biggest difference or adjustment between Coach Tavares Robinson and Clayton White as defensive coordinators? And Zach Pickens responded saying, Coach Clayton White simplifies things. But with Coach T-Rob, you never knew. We could go over one play, and then all of a sudden, things would get switched up for the next one. And it was just too much for us at times. With Coach Clayton White, we go over it, we practice it, we drill it, we do a bunch of walkthroughs to make sure we get it and don't mess it up. And 
I felt like that this was a very interesting response because South Carolina fans have always wondered the last couple of years, why is it despite the fact Will Muschamp is known as such a renowned defensive mind that during his time at South Carolina, I think there was only one year while he was here where South Carolina had a scoring defense that ranked 25th or better in the country, and that was 2017. And I think that this answer by Zach Pickens explains a lot. We've all heard the old adage before, you don't need to reinvent the wheel. And sometimes when we try to be too complex or comprehensive with whatever task or whatever job that we are given that we need to perform, then it can cause us to end up messing things up a lot worse than if we just abide by the KISS method, which the KISS method being an acronym for keep it simple, stupid. And that applies to football as well. Sometimes it's just best to send guys out there with simple play calls that, again, you've drilled and you've executed. You know the guys can't execute it. And just let them go out there and play fast and let them be football players and do what they need to do. And it seems like that's Coach White's philosophy, more so compared to Coach T-Rob when he was here as a defensive coordinator. Now, lastly, I'll go over Javon Gwynn's remarks and some of his responses to questions he got at SEC Media Days. First, being asked what it's like to block for Spencer Rattler. He said, right now we're gelling together, we're getting used to his cadence, getting used to his tendencies, and everything is going well, which definitely sounds like a good sign considering the fact that obviously the offensive line and Spencer Rattler's synchronization with the offensive play calling and everything that's going on on the field pre-snap will be vital for this offense to take a jump this next season. Another question Javon was asked was, what is your mindset as an offensive lineman and what it's like playing with the style that Coach Atkins wants? Javon Gwynn said, being an offensive lineman, people usually only see the bad, so you have to be a particular person and you have to be willing to take on that role. Playing for Coach Atkins, just his style, the different techniques he's taught us and the things that he wants, it has been going really well just playing for him. And again, Coach Atkins wasn't even able to be around practice apparently as much this past season because of personal health issues he was dealing with. So imagine how much better the offensive line could play when having their primary offensive line coach there with them almost all the time this coming season going into the O-line coach's second year in the program. And another question Javon was asked, the last one I'll cover for the episode today, for all that went right last year, do you feel like this offensive line needs to take a step forward for this offense to be more productive? And Glenn responded saying, most definitely, always need to take a step forward whether you're playing good or bad. That's our motto, to take all the criticism from our coaches, good or bad, move forward and get better. So this response definitely tells me that Javon and the offensive line seem to have taken the mentality this offseason of just putting their head down, going to work, not looking at social media, not listening to the outside noise understanding the importance that they're going to play into this next season, but not letting it really wear on their minds as they're going through spring practice, as they're going through workouts and heading into fall camp. And again, I do think that that's a very solid strategy for Javon Gwynn, this offensive line to take, if that is indeed what they are doing. So with all that being said, that is going to do it for today's show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast and the official recap of South Carolina's SEC Media Day appearance. I hope that you all enjoyed today's show and maybe even got some comments that you did not see or hear about from day two of SEC Media Days. What were y'all's thoughts on Shane Beamer and the players' appearances at SEC Media Days? Was there maybe a comment that caught y'all's eye that I did not mention on today's show? I want to hear your thoughts down below in the comment section, as always, if you're watching this on YouTube. If you're listening to this, however, on audio podcast apps, wherever you listen to your podcast daily, 
You can also feel free to shoot me a message at a line underscore SC on Twitter, and I'll be sure to respond to any replies or comments I get from y'all as quickly as I can. Also, if you've enjoyed the Locked On Gamecocks podcast and you want to get more on the entire SEC conference, then make the Locked On SEC podcast your second listen every day. Host Chris Gordy and the local experts of Locked On take you across the SEC in just 30 minutes. So make Locked On SEC your second listen after, of course, the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. So once again, thank you all for watching today's show. Hope you all have a great rest of your Wednesday. I'll catch you all the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.